This is the Hofstra Radio Alumni Audio Yearbook. Today is May 4th, 2022. Please tell us your name and the years you were at Hofstra Radio. Yeah, hi there, Brian. My name is Walter Ennis, and I was at Hofstra between 1983 and 1986. And uh, what titles or positions did you have at the radio station? So um, my first position was executive engineer, or I should say it was co-executive engineer together with uh, my buddy, Matt Swayhoover. Um, and then my senior year, I was music director. So that was back in 86. Okay. Did you do, uh, what shows did you work on while you were there? Oh, well, number of shows like most people. Um, well, first of all, I, I, I was an engineer and I never announced. Um, I think I was behind the mic two times in my life. Um, so my first engineering position was with the jazz show and um, also like everybody else classical um, very involved with uh, new age images uh, which was started by myself and Barbara Lyons who is my wife now Barbara Ennis um, and that was uh, you know I basically produced that show um, we, I also was involved with the Spanish show. I produced the Spanish show. I don't remember what we called it, but I remember the announcer there was Senecio Fernandez, who was one of my Spanish teachers. And uh, we did that show together. And um, that was just a recorded show. It was never done live. Um, and uh, was ev- very involved with the, um, with the, uh, the reggae show that was held every Sunday with John Mike, who was the, um, the announcer there. I did engineering for him or the two times that I was on air was actually for that reggae show. Um, and then, you know, wherever they needed me. Um, so it sounds like you did some of the, the community programs. Did you ever record like public affairs shows or record any, uh, radio theater kind of stuff? Yeah, no, not, not really. Um, I was not, a, a student, and well, I should say I was not a communication student. I was a business major. So I came from a different angle. It seemed like most of the people who were doing the radio theater, um, you know, were doing it for class or, or, or they came from that direction. Did a lot of these short little promos. I was big into that. Um, you know, Matt Swayhoover and I, and Matt was a communications major at the time. Uh, we both joined the station at the, the same year. Um, we just kind of clicked and we would do a lot of, you know, fun little promos or Halloween would come and we would do these little uh, shorts, these little spots, you know, uh, you know, on Halloween, that kind of thing. But um, didn't do the radio theater. Okay. I, I'm always interested when I hear that there are non-communications majors who were part of the station. So what was it that brought you to the station to begin with? Right. So it's a great story and probably completely different from what you've heard from others. So um, I was a business major. I transferred from a different college. I, my first semester, I went to Case Western in Cleveland, decided to transfer um, to Hofstra. I lived in West Hempstead, so it's the next town over. Uh, and I was a commuter. Um, and, you know, my classes just every morning I'd get up, go to class, come back. Uh, most of my friends in my neighborhood were off to college somewhere else. Um, but I was really into reggae. I was into reggae from an early age, um, you know, ninth grade, high school, junior high school, right, you know, like late 70s when uh, really you wouldn't hear it on the radio in New York. Um, so 
on Sundays, I would listen to the reggae show from Hofstra and John Mike, Mike McDonald, John Mike was his radio name, um, made an announcement one Sunday that he had all of these different artists that were up from Jamaica uh, at the station. If anybody wanted to come by, come by. So I got in the car, drove the five minutes away and went to the radio station. And um, yeah, there's all these guys there, you know, coming in, announcing, talking about their new records. It was just a blast, but it, there was nobody else from the community there. It was just me. And I met mm. at the time, Gennaro Tellerico, who was the program director, I believe. And, you know, he was there kind of helping out and he had to run some errands for something that was happening at the stadium. Maybe it was a game or something. So he said, Hey, why don't you come with me? And I got in this little cart. It was like a tiny little golf cart type thing. And uh, he ran over there and just started telling me about the radio station. And an hour later, he had me signed up that next Monday. He had me behind a board learning how to use it. And um, and that's how I got involved. I never thought in a million years I would I would get into the radio station or be involved with it. Wow, that's a great story. That's uh, that's very impressive. So you, you just went down to the station by yourself and and where was it like you went did you go down to the basement of memorial hall where the studios were that's exactly where it was downstairs to the basement of memorial hall and i just remember like it's it was yesterday there's all of these jamaican guys with dreadlocks hanging outside smoking cigarettes um and you know i went down i was even afraid to go downstairs am i allowed to go down here and somebody said hey, come on i went down there and somebody introduced me to john mike and he was great. He said, here, hang out. And that's when Gennaro came by. And, um, and it, so, yeah, that was basically it. Wow. Um, so I, I'm pretty sure I know the, the, the physical setup of, of when you first got there. You talked about going down the stairs. Are you t uh, I'm not sure if you're talking about the back of the building where the, the buzzer was or the front of Memorial Hall. No, the what was, the, what was it building. like when you got there? Okay. So describe that for people who were there at the time because that's a story in it of itself, I'm right. sure. If I remember, the back of the building, there was a big dumpster there. And I don't know, Jeff Krause used to always talk about the Dempster dumpster. And I know that some of the guys who were there before me probably know the history about it. it, it there was a reason why he always called it that. I, I think there might have even been a building after some guy named Dempster. But um, there was a big dumpster back there. The, the cafeteria was in Memorial Hall. And I think it's the dumpster that they put all of the, the old food in. And right next to it was a door. And you'd open up that door, go down these stairs. It was kind of spooky, dark. And you'd open up another door. And, um, and, and basically the station was there, you know, and that's the main way that we got in and out of the station. You know, we had the keys, which is remarkable because, um, you know, nobody would give college kids keys to a building nowadays. Right. <laughs> right. If you think about it today, but back then, you know, people had the keys, they'd go down there and, um, you know, and it was typically, it was dark. I mean, I, I spent a lot of time down there when it was dark. I'd go down there on Saturday nights to see Jeff Foss, who ran the post-progressive punk party P5. And he always had the lights off, had some mm -hmm. candles lit up. Um, but it was kind of dingy. It was, you know, nothing to get excited about. But it, it was like home for so many of us. Definitely, definitely. I remember going down that staircase. You'd open the, the the big heavy door and go down a long set of stairs and to the left, and then there that's where the AP news machine that's was. It. I was going to tell you that the AP newswire was there, and um, you know, for those of you who are listening, I mean, it was basically a printer, 
Right. You know, people like I've tried to explain this to people that, you know, like my, my daughter or my son and people their age, they're in their 20s. It's like it was a printer and it would just constantly print news, anything that came up. And I remember I was in engineering um, when the uh, space shuttle blew up. Mm-hmm. And I went out there to pull the news and boom, it was like breaking news, true breaking news, the way it used to be, you know, that there was the explosion, the space shuttle blew up. I think that was maybe the challenger. Um, and, you know, that was the coolest thing is, was to, to get the news and you kind of knew it before everybody else. Um, wow. That's, that's, I, I don't know if this is, if this is a, a tangent to, I, I, I'm really interested. So you rip off the news that says the space shuttle exploded. So you, you weren't on the air yourself, but what's, what's the process? What happens? Do you call like the news director or, or how does that get on the air? Yeah. So that's, that's huge news. Wow. You know, that, that brings up a good point because our offices were upstairs. Right. And I'm not sure if there was another printer up there for the news or these guys had to keep coming downstairs for the news because I wasn't involved with the news, but like during the jazz show, and I'm trying to recall when that happened, that may have been during one of the jazz shows, which ran from, I think it started maybe around three o'clock to seven, if I'm right. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, you would just, rip it off. And there was always news. So like with the jazz show, we always had an announcer and a news person. So a lot of the shows had that there was always a news person around. So I recall as the engineer, if, um, you know, it, it was pretty often I'd go in there, I'd rip it off. Sometimes I'd give it to the, to, to uh, the announcer to read when he had to do his little break. Um, and that could have been it. I, I don't remember who it was, who was there. I just do remember there was a buzz. There were a lot of people around at the time um when, when that happened so but that yeah that, that printer was cool yeah that i and and I, to describe a dot matrix printer with that that's particular kind of paper with the with the the sprocket holes on the sides yeah. it's 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 i i can feel the paper i can hear the screech of the printer it's uh it's a great memory uh that's neat so so um so you get talked into joining the station on this this golf cart ride across campus and come back. Uh, what happens next? When do you first go to the to the office? And and do you remember like anybody that you anybody else that you met? Yeah, I, I remember it pretty clearly um, because it was a, a really great crew. Um, some of the first people I met was probably Margot Diekman and Rick Wilczewski. Um They were just super welcoming. Gennaro was was just amazing. He, he just wanted me to get involved. He was there every step of the way early on. Um, it's just, they were happy to have somebody. Right. And I think in, in hindsight, I kind of know why, because one of my first positions was executive engineer. That was, that was, so I transferred the second semester of my freshman year. And by that summer, before the end of the semester, they made me executive engineer hmm. together with, Matt Sway Hoover. And it was really interesting because I'm like, oh, this is great. Now, summertime, you're not going to school. I wasn't taking summer classes. I live nearby. And I worked at the time. I worked, um, you know, I, I had a job. So I remember the first day at my job in the summer, um, Krauss called me up. Jeff Krauss calls me up at my house. And he's like, um, you know, uh, who's supposed to be engineering right now? I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, uh, yeah, somebody should be here. 
we've got music <laughs> to play, classical music to play. And they're like, oh, wait, that's my responsibility? I, I just remember this. It's like, uh, yes, you're supposed to have a schedule. And nobody even checked with me beforehand. Nobody told me maybe I missed that piece. I don't know. But I basically missed that day of work, called in sick, went to the station. I sat there behind the board playing classical music and then making phone calls to people. Now, we didn't have cell phones, right? So right. you'd have to find people. And you couldn't find people in the summer because they all went back home. And I'm like, okay, now I get it. This is why they were so eager for me to to join maybe because I was <laughs> local. And um, But but it was fun. But, you know, in answering your question, I remember Margo really well and, and Rick, um, you know, they were very, very involved. Greg Fennell was another guy. I don't remember if he was program director. He wasn't program director at the time. It was Snapper was the program director at the time of my senior, my freshman year. And then he was program director the second year. So they were all very welcoming and, you know, happy to see me there. And, and they really, you know, taught me everything. So getting that call from Jeff Krause, and and again, I, I love asking questions about Jeff because he was such a an intimidating uh, presence, and here you are new on the job, and he calls you up and says, why isn't there anyone here? How, how, how did the rest of that conversation go down, or what happened afterwards? Well, I just remember getting in my car and driving the driving there really afraid <laughs> wondering, <laughs> oh no what do we do and you know they were able to cover that 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 slot um and i recall having a discussion with the program director again i believe it was snapper and oh this is what you're supposed to do you know they were all good about it you know he he was great he was just amazing and, and i i sometimes wonder if maybe i had it easier than others with him not that he was tough on anybody he just had his way of doing things uh, because I wasn't a student of his. I never took a radio class in my life. Hmm. I never took a TV class. I didn't take any communications class ever. So, you know, for me, it was like, hey, I'm here because I want to be here, not because I have to be here. Um, I don't have to put the hours in. I don't have to do a minimum number of hours. So, um, you know, I always felt you know, kind of different from some of the pressures. I didn't feel some of the pressures that others had, but he was always great with me. And I, mm -hmm. and he was always encouraging me to do different things, to get involved more, um, you know, to, to kind of be creative with ideas. And, you know, that's why we came up with some new ideas, like new age images is a perfect example where, um, you know, he encouraged me to come up with that program. And Barbara Lyons was program director and, um, you know, we used to have to do fundraising, right? Right. So, um, you know, I actually recall this, that I don't know if he was ever a fan of that reggae show. I, I just get a sense that it annoyed him a little bit. <laughs> and and um, because he he talked about replacing it many times. And I was always, no, you can't replace it. There's a space for it, you know. But he's like, well, it doesn't bring in any money. And um, so New Age Images, I worked at Record World at the time, and I noticed that a lot of people were coming in to the record, you know, record world, and they were buying New Age records. And I looked at the demographics. Now, remember, I was a business major, so I was trying to have this business mind. And the people who were coming in looked affluent. You know, the age, were, you know, they were in their 40s. Um, and, you know, they had jobs. You know, I was a college kid, didn't have any money. And so I thought about it. I said, well, you know, we could take this new age. Not that I was really into it. But I said, 
we could do a show and we might be able to target these people. The only show on the radio in New York playing new age music. And at right. the time it was, it's like, you know, maybe they'll call in and, and um, donate when we had the fundraisers. And that, that's why that, that's how that came up. But again, it was Jeff Krause who kind of encouraged me to kind of think that way. Um, you know, and it, that was really, really, you know, good. We had a great relationship. And and that was a weeknight show, right? It was on a couple hours on weeknights, but the reggae show was on Sundays, on I think. Sunday nights. Yeah, when we yeah. started New Age Images, it was only one night a week. Okay. So for the two years that we ran it, it was one night a week. And I think when we left, they expanded it. So maybe right. it was popular then. Huh? <laughs> I don't recall making any money on that show, but maybe it was popular. Uh, I want to go back to getting started at the station you first show up there and you said you weren't on the air but you were uh behind the board i assume you yes. were in the studio how did you learn how to do that what what was involved in that and i, I don't recall all of the details but I, I do remember you know it, it was literally like a day that it was sunday when i went to, down to the station and i met Gennaro and i you know i guess met the reggae crew and um the next monday i came down and they're like all right you know, they didn't even schedule a class. Like I remember when I was executive engineer, we had classes scheduled, training scheduled for the freshmen or the mm -hmm. new recruits. Um, there was no, none of that. It was just like, let's sit you behind the board. Um, it was one, it was not the main board. It was back in one of the production studios, I guess. And it's like, let's, let's show you how this works. And then I spent a couple of hours and, you know, behind a board with somebody who knew what they were doing. And, um, then they scheduled me. I think it was like within one week I was doing that jazz show. And I, I recall that because Matt Sway Hoover, Matt Sway Hoover, um, who, who, again, he became a good buddy of mine. We're still in touch. Um, he was new. He had just transferred as well, I believe. So we didn't know anybody. And there were these two new guys who started, you know, it was that second semester um, all the new recruits were already there. They knew what they were doing. And um, he was the announcer. They put him, you know, he was a communications major. So they they let him announce a uh, the jazz show on Fridays. Um, so, and, you know, bingo, we hit it off and did that together for many years. Hmm. Do you remember getting behind the board the first time? Um, uh, you know, by yourself. <laughs> by myself? Um you know, I have vague memories of it, vague memories of being nervous and, mm -hmm. you know, probably messing up a, a bit. Yeah. And there were always these rules, right, that you heard about, you, you know, make sure you do this, you do that. And, you know, the FCC is going to come down and you're going to get fined if you broke this rule. And, um, you know, so you were worried. You were really scared, but you felt official because you had a license. So, um, but... Yeah, it was right. fun. When, um, so getting your FCC license, I, I don't remember quite the timeline. I know at one point you had to go and take a, like a written test downtown Manhattan, no, I something never, like I, that. I don't believe I had to take one downtown. I think I took it at the station. Okay. I recall. I, I, I really, that I don't remember at all, but I know I didn't have to go anywhere for that test. I think it was done at the, at the station, given to me by somebody at the station. And then, you know, I remember getting a little card. Right. Saying that I was official. 
Right, keep that with you at all times in case the FCC shows up, right? Yeah, for all I know, it was <laughs> Jeffrey Krause typing out my name on that somewhere, you know, in his office. Right. Um, so it seems like you got pretty comfortable at the station right away. Do you remember a time or a moment where you were like, yeah, this is this is it. I'm going to be here a lot. Or was it just sort of a gradual thing? No, it it was pretty quick. And that first semester, like I said, it, what was gradual, it was just getting to know people and being, you know, feeling comfortable enough to where, you know, you could kind of make decisions and kind of do things. It, it wasn't until that summer where I realized, okay, now I'm executive engineer. I've got to schedule people. And, you know, I started spending more time there that summer. And then when, when that next, my, my sophomore year, that, that, you know, first semester, sophomore year rolled in and I was completely comfortable. It was like night and day compared, like I had been there for 20 years, you know, that kind mm-hmm. Yeah. It's something about the, the, the summertime when there's the skeleton crew and there's only a handful of people and you are doing a little bit of everything to keep the station on the air. And oh, that must've made you feel pretty comfortable. Oh yeah, it, 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 it did. It, it, it definitely made me feel comfortable. And, um, you know, and it, it's, it's, I guess it's like, it was the traditionary, you know, like, well, I don't know about tradition, but for me, when I started back up there a sophomore year, all the freshmen came in and you have these new recruits, people are interested. Uh, I always played every, every, you know, first semester, I always played a, that role of being somebody to welcome people. Hey, come on in, you know, make them feel comfortable uh, because that's how they made me feel right. Again, that same crew of people, mm-hmm. you know, that I mentioned, Gennaro, you know, Rick, Margo, they, they all made me feel welcome. So I did the same. I hope I did the same for others. Mm. Almost like a pay it forward kind of feeling. Exactly. Mm. That's, that's very cool. Uh, do you remember some of the people that you uh, engineered for some of the people who were doing the jazz shows or the, the, <laughs> the classics uh, shows? I mean, you mentioned a lot of names, but I'm, I'm yeah. always curious. So, you know, Again, I mentioned Matt Swayhoover. The two of us were buddies, like inseparable. Um, there, there always seems to be like, you know, a group or two people that kind of a, a click. Um, I, I saw that with you know Butch and Spike, or or I should say Tim um, and, and Jeff Raspi, Tim McDonald and Jeff Raspi. They they were the duo, like were just right behind me. But um, Matt Swayhoover was a name, somebody who I was very close to. Um, I met my wife, Barbara, at the station. Um, and that's an interesting story. Um, I was behind the board. It was, you know, in the middle of the day, probably doing actually in the morning doing classical. And um, the a class came walking through. And I guess these radio classes, they were required to do a certain number of hours. And this class came through and they were touring the station. And I immediately saw her. Um, her name was Barbara Lyons at the time. We immediately saw her. I can remember to this day, like what she was wearing and she just caught my eye. And right after they left, I went up to the program director, Snapper, and she was responsible for scheduling this class into the certain slots so they could put in their required hours. And I said, you know, that girl, the one with the blonde, crazy hair, she was kind of punky looking. It's like, do you think you could put her in on Fridays during a jazz show, which is when, when Matt and I, and you know, I engineered and Matt was the announcer. 
and she was just going to do the news and you know the special announcements and could you also put her on on sundays during the reggae show because i'd hang out wow and she did it now that wouldn't fly today probably but but (laughs) but she did it and um it's funny because barbara hated reggae and to this day she hates reggae and that to me is my favorite music but I'd go down there on Sundays to hang out with John Mike while he announced the show and he engineered, he did everything. And, and I got to know her. And of course she was stuck with us on Fridays engineering the, um, you know, the, you know, while I engineered the jazz show and the three of us then became like best friends, the three of us throughout those years. And we started truly dating, you know, my junior year. And then eventually, you know, we got married. We've been married since 1990 um so so that was a a, a good story to remember or, or you know glad that i joined the station for that reason obviously um as for other names you know jeff foss i'm not sure if he's been brought up much at, at any of your interviews but he was something else um he ran that post-progressive pop party uh p5 and right. It was just groundbreaking, that show. He was solo, always in that studio. He had guests in their event, you know, occasionally. But I used to love on a Saturday night just stopping by to see him and say hello. You never knew what to expect. Sometimes it was spooky. I got to know him really well. Um, you know, and, uh, you know he, he had already graduated or I don't even know if he ever went to school there. I, I'm assuming he did. But I just knew he wasn't a student at the time when I was there. Mm-hmm but he still did that show. And, you know, he'd take me out sometimes into the city to grab something to eat. And, and that, that was always great. And there were the sports guys. You had like um, Andy Hershon became a good friend of mine. Um, hmm. You know, um, you know, I'm trying to think Bill Friedman is an interesting guy. He was, I believe a news guy and an announcer. Um, and uh, you know, years later you know i hadn't heard from him for years and years later i ran into him he was his kids went to school with my kids at the same school in west hempstead staying there carl bucking he -hmm. was special carl bucking was in charge of classical music he did all the programming for many years of all the classical music he just he was just remarkable i would sit there for hours listening to him tell stories he was into history he would tell us, tell me all kinds of history about anything. Um, I loved Carl. Uh, he, he was just a real special person. And even though I didn't have a love for classical music, I spent hours, like whenever there was downtime. Remember, I was a commuter, right? right? So I didn't have a room to go and hang out at. I would come back to the station. That was my hangout. And if Carl was there, I would always go and sit with Carl and, you know, just ask him questions about world war ii about anything he knew the answers to everything Hmm. oh that's great stuff um yeah i remember uh going down to jeff foss's show on saturday nights and uh he would bring in uh sampling machines and sometimes extra turntables and and he had he had quite a quite a setup and um I, i i know that a lot of people 
uh, came through those doors at Hofstra radio. They came down that staircase on the Saturday night and they were getting their first radio airplay and they'd go on to get record contracts and stuff like that. So that must've been a, a really exciting to be part it, of that. It really was. And, and, you know, it happens all the time. You hear this guy, you know, he's, you know, whoever it might be run DMC, you hear these names and like, Oh yeah, that guy was at the station with Jeff that day. Yeah. I remember mm-hmm. this guy and, you know, especially with rap, he was just, ahead of the curve. He was ahead of everybody with that. Yeah. Um, I, I like to take this moment to uh, sort of ask you to step back. And yours is a, is a unique story. Um, but we've been talking about things through the benefit of hindsight. You, you have this experience at the radio station. You meet your wife. You make these lifelong friends. But can you go back to that feeling I don't know maybe after that 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 ride with Gennaro or or after your first time in the office, what at that moment when you're I don't know, 18, 19 years old, what did you think Hofstra Radio would mean to you? Well, yeah. So um, at the time, I really didn't think it would mean much to me. Right. I mean, it was just a place to go to, to keep myself busy when I wasn't working. Um, you know, I, I was hoping that it would be a place where I could make friends, but I, I never, you know, looking back the way you're asking me to, I, I, I never realized or, or I, I could never imagine the impact that it would have had on my future life. And it had a huge impact. Um, you know, Every day at my job, I do something and it, I, I have memories of RHU because of things that I learned there. And, you know, as a, I was an international business major, international business. It was so far from radio. But I look back now and one of my first jobs was selling broadcasting equipment, you know, in Latin America. Mm. <laughs> and what I do now, I run my own medical education company. So we put on um, a number of live events throughout the country. Um, and we do our own production, like every, you know, every other company that does what I do, every other organization, they hire an AV company, uh, outside third party contractor to come in and do all their audio. I do it all myself. Like I have somebody who helps me with it, but initially I was doing it all myself. People are like, how do you know how to do this stuff? It's like, well, yeah, because I learned it at RHU, you know, and, and, you know, there's many years ago, it's been many years since 1986, but the stuff stays with me. I'm still doing production. I'm still doing audio production. I'm, um, you know, earlier before we got on air here, I told you how we're starting a podcast and I'm going to be producing it for my company that I work for, you know, that, and that's all stuff that I learned at RHU, but the most meaningful thing to me that I never thought I would have gotten from joining RHU was just, you know, I was a very shy kid when I joined the station. You know, I went down on that Sunday because, you know, like I said, none of my friends lived nearby anymore. They were all at the college. I was having a hard time making friends in school at, at the university because I didn't live on campus. And it completely changed me. Um, mm. You know, people tell me now that, oh, I don't believe you were ever shy. But I was shy. I couldn't even speak to a person, you know. And it changed me completely. 
um, now I don't shut up. You know, I'm able to speak to, I'm told I can speak to anybody. My kids always, you know, tell me they marvel at the fact that I could speak to anybody who runs my way. And that, that all came from the radio station, the people I met there, the way I interacted with them. And, um, you know, so, you know, I'm so thankful for that. And I, I don't think I would do things differently at all. Hmm. The, the, what really struck me when you were telling the story earlier that you're just listening to the radio and you decide he's saying to come down and you do it. And what a, what a life changing moment. And at the time you were like, you were probably just bored or just excited or, or, and, and this moment alters the trajectory of your life and just, just the, the, the guts to do that. Just, it just really, it just rang so true to me at the time. Yeah, that's that's amazing. And and, you know, I I lost touch with Mike McDonald. That was his real name. And he he was pretty incredible. He and his brother owned a recording studio in Freeport and they would do like final remixes of all of these um, recordings that were coming out of Jamaica at the time. This is, um, you know, 1982, 83. and I listen to the radio still. Like I still listen to reggae. I listen to classic reggae, and I hear these songs. I'm like, oh yeah, I was there. I remember being in the studio when the guy, like, he was in there recording this. And um, this was all John Mike's studio in Freeport because I always used to go and visit him there on on Saturday nights when I wasn't with Jeff Foss. Up uh, even after graduation, I'd go and visit him. But I've lost touch with him, and I I keep wanting to call him up, find out where he is, call him up, and thank him for you know making that announcement hey come on down to the studio and i i always sometimes wonder did i misunderstand him you know because i was the only one who came down but it was worth it walter these stories are amazing and i thank you so much for taking the time to to share them and i i before we talked i'm sure you got tons more stories and i'm going to come up with some more questions and i i really look forward to doing this again no problem thank you very much brian